If you look at all the villains in the course of human history, they've all believed, delusionally, in the virtue of their actions. Every villain is a hero in his own mind. Tom Hiddleston. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. Our bonus episode for January is about everyone's favorite character. Yes, the villains. Yes. <laughs> I've always thought that if I ended up in some epic story of some kind, I'm likely to be the villain. I have a lot of those tendencies of doing it my way, screw everybody else. I've always enjoyed that element of a story. The deeper the evil, the more powerful the good. If you make your villain lame, then your good guy's not going to have much to conquer. The harder the good guy falls, the bigger the distance between the good guy and the bad guy, the more epic this story will be. Without a good villain, the hero will always feel flat. So in recent years, there has been a huge rise in popularity of villains, mostly in the comic book genre. So you have everybody loves Loki. And then suddenly Loki wasn't a villain anymore. Everybody loves the Joker. And suddenly he's not really a villain anymore. In a lot of people's minds. He is, but he isn't. You also have the whole Suicide Squad People just love villains. I definitely do. But how do you write a villain? How do we write somebody that is so evil that isn't rampaging through nursing homes, slitting throats? Write them so that in their mind, they're not evil. They're not doing bad. They are doing good. One of the things my pastor said is that evil is a shortcut to a good goal. If my goal is financial stability, I'm going to rob a bank because then I will be financially stable. Financial stability is a good goal. Robbing a bank is a shortcut to that good goal. So when it comes to writing a villain, they are a reflection, usually a dark reflection of the hero. One of the best examples of this is actually Voldemort and Harry Potter. Harry Potter and Voldemort have very, very similar upbringings. Both of them are orphans. Both of them are half-blood. Voldemort was raised in a crappy orphanage. Harry Potter was raised in a crappy house, abused his whole life. But the paths they chose were so different. And that's what makes them opposites. That's why I really don't like the sympathetic villain story. Because their villainy should be a reflection of their choices, how they get there. If you have the good guy and the bad guy both lost a child, and their methods to cope with that are very different, you can tell who chose the right way, who chose the wrong way. That doesn't make the villain good because he has an excuse. And you see a lot of that as a usage to make the villain complex that makes them soft and less villainous. If you just say, oh, well, he lost a child, so everything he does is okay, it's not. He still slaughtered an entire village in revenge. So another aspect of this, they should be a reflection of each other. Your villain, their greatest strength 
should be your hero's greatest weakness. So your villain can be very, very strong and very good at people and manipulation of people. And your hero can just be really bad at communicating what he thinks. Just the most socially awkward person on the planet. I had a story where the main character was once a warrior, but now he's well past his prime. He's about 60 or so. And he's forced to keep up with the other warriors that are in their prime. And on top of that, the bad guy had a superpower and he was just a normal dude. So this distance between them was insurmountable. And that is the key, the absolute key to any good villain. They have to be more powerful than your main character. I see this mistake being made a lot in especially young adult fiction, where the main character is the one with the superpower, or the main character has this ability that's greater than the bad guy. And often the beginning of a story is the good guy's fall from grace. He's riding a high, he's a decorated cop, whatever, and then this other guy that he's arrested before gets out of jail and tries to kill him and vilifies him so he's no longer a cop. So that fall from grace in the very beginning of your story is what sets the tone. The bad guy should be on top, in charge, winning basically your entire story. Your villain is also going to often have fewer inhibitions than your main character. They're going to be willing to use any means to achieve their end goal. So yes, they'll be willing to murder, they'll be willing to torture, they'll be willing to steal, lie, cheat, whatever. They won't have those inhibitions. And because of that, they will be able to get farther than your main character. Your main character is going to have to come up with the right way to go about all of these things to achieve the same level as the villain. And that is part of what makes the villain more powerful, because they don't have things holding them back. They don't have morals holding them back. That uphill climb isn't quite as steep for your villain, which is often in the end what makes your hero more powerful because they've worked harder to get there. Your villain is also more likely to be alone and not necessarily in the, you know, well, Voldemort has the Death Eaters. That doesn't mean he's not utterly alone. When it comes down to it, they fight until Voldemort's out of the picture and then it's every man for himself. Your hero's greatest strength is often the sidekick character. Samwise Gamgee. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's a great example of the underdog being chosen for the main character is you have this magic infuser, epic, almost godlike villain who is just corrupting hearts everywhere he goes. And you've got the 18-year-old kid who's this tall and has way too much hair for being an 18-year-old. And which one's going to win in a fight? Well, no, duh. The all-powerful being, you would think. <laughs> So we've talked a lot about your heroes, because when you're writing your villain, you have to consider your hero. And when you're writing your hero, you have to consider your villain. They go hand in hand. 
villains are so important to a story. Without a good villain, things don't feel right. Of course, there are some stories that don't necessarily have a villain. Those are when you expand outside of the good versus evil that we talked about earlier in this month. You also have your man versus God, your man versus self, man versus nature. Those kind of stories won't always have a villain. But in the stories where you do have a villain, where you do have that big bad guy, you have to write them in sequence with your hero. Historically speaking, we haven't had villains for a super long time. Even before we had deities and myth, we had monsters. We had the low and mensch. We had creatures in the dark. It's a human versus a thing. And then we had mostly the Greco-Roman revolution in storytelling where it was human versus God a lot of the time, where you're battling the fate that the gods have laid out for you. And that power discrepancy is a lot of why we get this power discrepancy in storytelling today. Because how is a human supposed to compete with a god? We went back to monsters a little bit during the Dark Ages. Then once literacy started on the rise, that's when villains came into the picture. It's this human versus human idea. Villains are some of my favorite characters to write. Because of that lack of inhibition, you can explore a depth to a character that you don't often get with heroes. But you have to be careful when you're writing a villain. You want to give them motivations. You want to give them a reason for what they're doing. But you don't want the readers to feel bad for them completely. Because if your whole goal is to kill the villain, you need the readers to side with the hero, not with the villain. Yeah, you look at Vader and you look at Luke. Luke is honestly not the more interesting character. You kind of end up rooting for the hero so that Chewbacca survives. So that Han Solo manages to come in and save the day in the end. You don't really care that much about the hero, which is an interesting exploration in the hero's journey, which I think we're going to approach at the end of March. But... When you're looking at what makes a person a hero, what makes a person a villain, sometimes it's in their own minds, but evil should be present in your villain. It should have an element of not necessarily preachiness, but definitely an element of morality, of it's not okay to drop this town and create a massive explosion across the world. This is not okay to kill everybody. It's not okay to snap your fingers and wipe out half of humanity and every sentient being across the universe. It's a good goal to make sure that everyone's able to survive. And Thanos' goal made sense, but it wasn't a good way of going about accomplishing that goal. There are always exceptions to this rule of not making your villain too sympathetic. It goes to what type of story that you're trying to tell. In the Stormlight Archive series, I talked a couple episodes about the main character freezing in the middle of this battle because he had become friends or gotten to know somebody from every side of this battle. So the whole idea is that this particular group of people that were thought to bring destruction to the whole world turn out to just be normal people trying to fight for their lives. 
and same with this group and same with this group and same with this group. So it becomes not necessarily a man versus man story, but a man versus something else. That's when you can make a more sympathetic villain if the theme of your story is going to stray from the man versus man. One of the questions I see online a fair amount is, how do I convert my bad guy into a good guy? Don't. Thank you. Just don't. I know that that's a really common thing in Star Wars, but it doesn't work most of the time. Yeah. Most people don't like the fact that Kylo started having a thing for Rey. It devalued the villainy of Kylo Ren. When you start to convert the bad guy into a good guy, I get that in real life because the best way to defeat an enemy is to make him your friend. That's more game theory, less philosophy, I think. But having a bad guy become a good guy makes the entire struggle of the story inconsequential. If you are going to try to convert somebody, convert the bad guy's sidekick, and that will win the battle to defeat the bad guy. Oftentimes, if you have written your villain correctly, if they are a true villain, they can't become good because there will have to be consequences. There will have to be jail. They will have to be executed for whatever crimes they committed along the way, because that's what makes them the villain. They broke laws. They broke morality in order to achieve what they wanted. So they can't truly be a good guy because of what their past is. And their choices that they made in the past. A common trope you will see out there is that the villain ends up destroying themselves. I'm thinking currently of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they open up the Ark and they end up killing themselves. And Indiana Jones had no effect on the plot whatsoever. Front to back, he could have not existed, and it would have had the exact same consequence. I get the morality behind the villain destroying themselves, but your hero should be participating in some way. Otherwise, what's the point of the hero? What's the point of Indiana Jones? To look cool? That's it? To be fair, Harrison Ford does the look cool really well. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) So as you go about writing your villain, try to keep these things in mind. What makes them do what they're doing? What's their motivation? What's their drive? What are they willing to do to get there? And how is that relating to your hero? And enjoy it. My villains really started to come to life when I indulged in the darker side of the story. When I enjoyed the evil that they portrayed. And maybe this is what makes me a villain in the grand scheme of things. But torturing my characters is so much fun. (laughs) So to write a good villain, you have to always... Right selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 